you want to know what it takes to work as a high-performing executive assistant? You'll find out when you listen to the EA Campus podcast. Join me, Nikki Christmas, the founder of Practically Perfect PA and the EA Campus for a weekly interview with successful assistants who all have first-hand experience and lessons to share on what it takes to excel in the role. Tune in, get inspired, and learn how to create an assistant career where you are valued, motivated, and ready to face every challenge head on. Whether you are an assistant just starting in your career or prepared to move to the next level, building a successful assistant career just got a little easier with the EA Campus podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the EA Campus podcast. It's Nikki Christmas here again, and I am thrilled to be joined by Susie Ellums, EA to the co-CEO and CTO of Ostra. Susie has been an assistant for 20 years, working at Elle Magazine, Burberry, and now Ostra, a startup fintech company. In our conversation, Susie shares tips on starting working in fashion and publishing, her decision to take a career break to start her family, and how she now handles boundaries and prioritizing her time. We talk about the importance of transferable skills for assistants, and Susie tells us about starting her new role during the pandemic and working in a hybrid environment. And of course, if her experience working at a fashion magazine was anything like the film The Devil Wears Prada. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for joining the EA Campus podcast today. It's an absolute delight to have you with us. Thank you. Oh, no, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so, so honoured to have been asked. So it's lovely to, yeah, it's lovely to chat and and see what, what we can help people with. Well, I know there are many facets to your career and that you've got a lot going on. So I'd love to dive straight in and ask my first question, which is just can you tell us a little bit about your career so far? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, gosh, I mean, it is going back. If I think back to my first sort of assistant role, um, this is literally going back to probably about 20 years ago. Um, And I started off actually in the world of magazines and publishing and media, um, but not so much in a PA role. I actually started out as a receptionist um, for InStyle magazine, which was my absolute favorite magazine at the time. I absolutely loved it. And my dream was always to work in fashion in some capacity. And this was before I'd even really entertained the thought of being an assistant of any kind. I just wanted to work in fashion. Like that was kind of my, and I'd done the whole retail thing before that. And I knew that was an area I, I really enjoyed. So I, I think that, I think somebody told me about the job when I was working in in retail like you know on a shop floor um and I had no admin experience no reception experience anything but I just thought oh, you know I'll, I'll jump at the chance and so um I remember going along for the interview and 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 there was a lot of um you know there was a lot of sort of assistant roles there there was a you know all the different editorial departments had an assistant and um and I long story short I you know I got the job and it was a, a sort of very standard reception role um back in the day when magazines each had their own little reception desk. Um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I always remember I sat next to like a huge cupboard that had all the, you know, all the stationery in for the editorial team. And I just remember one day I just randomly started tidying it. I thought, oh, you know, that's not much else to do. I'll start tidying this cupboard. And um, 
And from that point onwards, I think someone must have just seen me and thought, right, she's my go-to girl for anything like organization related, because I clearly, you know, I was doing it off my own back. I just thought, oh, I'm going to start tidying this, organizing this. Then I was ordering the stationery in. And then I was just little bit by little bit doing, you know, more and more admin roles. And then I sort of, I think the editor at the time, her assistant was going on holiday and they didn't have any cover. And so I very gradually just started taking on little bits and bobs here and there. And that's what really led me to my first proper PA role. Um, which was actually in a different publishing house. Um, back then it was called um, the National Magazine Company. It's now been bought up by various different companies. Um, and that was a you know an official PA role for the director of the classifieds department. So the little little ads you get in the back of all the magazines. Um, and I do remember being quite nervous and thinking, thinking in my head, I had no no real experience. But I suppose like every role, you have to start somewhere. You know, you don't it's so interesting nowadays there are you know you you can do personal assistant degrees and ex- executive assistant degrees but back when I was studying at university that that wasn't a thing so I had to learn on the job I had to learn as I go so yeah that sort of led me to weave my way through various different magazines um I, st- I went I moved on from the classifieds department to working on uh, a few sort of lifestyle titles there was the weddings I think it was, Cos- I think it was called Cosmo Bride and You and Your Wedding Although sadly they're not even around anymore. Um, there was a prima baby that's not around. It's oh gosh, it's very sad, like the, the way that's all gone. But um, and then I suppose my first dream role was when I went to L magazine. So I was the PA to the publishing director of L and L Decoration. Um, and that I suppose that was the that was the first time I took on a role where I thought, this is really where I want to be, this is what I want to do. It was combining the two things I loved. It was my love of fashion, but also my love of being an assistant um and I sort of saw everything up to that point as just learning and developing my skills and kind of just doing the graft and then and then I landed the job at Ellen that was um yeah that was amazing I absolutely loved it there and I was there for I think it was three years in the end um but again with the changes and everything happening in publishing um the publishing house which owned L and L decoration they were bought out funnily enough, by the National Magazine Company's parent company. So the publishing world is very um, slightly incestuous, if you excuse the phrase, because just it's all kind of melds into one. And everybody knows everybody and, you know, people move around a lot within that. So that company was bought. And sadly, because of redundancies and things, um, my immediate boss actually was, um, she was made redundant. And so I sort of jumped ship before I think they were sort of, you know, going to place me in another role somewhere. But I thought, no, there's there's nothing, there's nowhere else I want to go. So I jumped ship and I did a bit of a sort of sideways move into retail again, still in fashion. Um, but that was when I ended at Burberry. Um, very different, very different environment, even though it's still fashion, you know, publishing and retail are very, very different industries. Um, and I was at Burberry for gosh, I think about five or six years. And I absolutely loved it. You know, again, very different, but very, very enjoyable. And then that's when I then took my sort of big career break. I had my children. I've got two young children. They are four and six. So still quite young. Um, And yes, I left, I sort of left the the corporate world when I went on maternity leave with my first. And then I've just returned to it recently, actually back in August last year. Um, And that's where I am now. So I work now for a, a very, very different again. I work for a, um, a finance technology company, a fintech company called Ostra, which is a newly formed uh, startup company. And yes, we've been we've been 
in existence, I suppose, since September. Um, so that's where I am now. So kind of slightly similar at the beginning and then a complete, complete change of direction at the end. Wow. There are so many questions that are ruminating in my mind after you've just <laughs> given us a whirlwind tour of your career. And I'm going to make sure I come back to them. So don't worry, we're going to cover a lot of um, aspects of the career that you've had. But I know you also have a bit of a side hustle as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that too? I can't believe how many plates you're spinning along <laughs> with having children, but tell us about the side hustle as uh, well. I do like to be busy. I think that's that's partly one of the aspects of my, I suppose, my my PA, the side of me is that we do like to be quite busy. <laughs> I can't bear just sitting around doing nothing. Yes. Yeah, so I do have another business. Um, and that started when I went on maternity leave. So as much as, you know, without boring with all the finer details, I live outside of London and I was obviously predominantly working in London. So um, when it came to that point at the end of my maternity leave, and if there's obviously any mums watching, you'll hopefully resonate with this as well. But it was a really hard decision about, you know, do I return to work? Do I not? What, you know, what do I do? Um, and on paper, financially, it absolutely did not make sense for me to return to the corporate world, certainly not the job that I was in at Burberry. Um, it just wasn't financially viable. It didn't, didn't make any sense. So I sort of thought at the time, my only option was to completely step away from the working world and just, you know, become a stay-at-home mum. So I did that for about six months. Um, but for us in our personal situation, that was also not really going to work because I think we're just, we're just come, you know, accustomed to a certain, I suppose, a certain budget and a certain, certain things that we wanted to do and things that we like to have. And, you know, it just became really, really difficult. So it was financially, it was quite challenging. And my husband had a lot of pressure on him. Um, so I started looking for other things that I could do where I could incorporate the skills I already have, you know, with the fact that I had children I had at this point I was already pregnant with my second so I had them quite close in age um and a friend of mine approached me actually about um you know a home business that I could run around the kids from home completely flexibly in my own hours etc etc um and it was in within an industry called the network marketing industry and I yeah I jumped into that straight away didn't really question it just thought great sounds great worked for her you know I was willing to try anything at that point and so I've now had that business so I have a business with a company called Arbonne and I've had that now for five years. So I run that alongside my um, assistant role. My assistant job is full time. Um, so obviously I've done it, you know, around the kids up until sort of all September last year when they both started school. And um, I still run it now around my full time job um, because it, it is very flexible, you know, and it's 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 my own business. I'm self-employed. It's not conflicting with my job. Um, it's something that I choose to do as and when I, I want to do it really so it's quite it's quite versatile should we say that's amazing like I said having that as well as having a full-time EA job is impressive so <laughs> congratulations we'll definitely come and talk about that a little bit more because I know there are a lot of people listening who have their assistant role but also have other interests other areas and they'd like to explore how that's even possible um, yeah. especially when you are raising a family so let's go back to the assistant role. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the role that you're in at the moment and what the main aspects of the role are? Okay. Um, so I think I've always, this could be unique to me, I don't know, but I have always had quite what I call traditional assistant roles. So everything is kind of the same, no matter where you work and um, you know what you do. And I don't mind saying this because I'm sure a lot of other assistants will resonate with this, but I always find it really fascinating that as an as an assistant, you can you can pretty much do your role no matter what company you work for. 
So obviously I made a huge change from working in fashion to go now working in finance. Um, but I kind of do the same stuff, you know, and I don't, if I'm totally honest, and I, I don't know if any of my bosses will watch this, but I don't mind if they do, but I don't really know what my bosses do, <laughs> which is so funny because you know, I know what they do on a day-to-day basis, but I don't know a huge amount about, you know, fintech. It's not something that I'm particularly passionate about as an industry and as the finer detail, but it's still the same things that I'm doing. So it's diary management. That is that is the vast proportion of it is managing um, their diaries. So I work for four um, four executives. Um, uh, one of them is the, the CEO, and then there's a CTO and the chief of marketing, and then um, another guy who's kind of jack of all trades he's got lots of lots of different roles um so diary management is definitely the main part and then I would say travel so travel schedules travel planning and agendas and itineraries and all that and then event planning as well so that's kind of like the other the side part as well there's a lot of um off-sites internal external um dinners um yeah just predominantly sort of team building internal events that that we we I'm sort of mainly part of as well. It's interesting that you say that because I would imagine there's a lot of assistants that would love to work in fashion or um, magazines or publishing those areas. And it it probably seems to a lot of assistants like that's impossible. It's such an industry that, as you said, people know each other. It's very exclusive. But as you said, assistant skills are so transferable that actually it is possible to work in those, you know, as those industries that maybe seem like the doors are closed for a lot of people. I totally agree. And I think a lot of that just comes down to the confidence of just going for it and not letting those kind of like, you know, perhaps self-limiting beliefs come through. Because funnily enough, I felt, I mean, I did come into fashion because I'd, I'd worked in retail. You know, I had that on my CV that I was, you know, interested in fashion and I very did, I crept in quite gradually. So that definitely served me. However, I remember when I was looking to go back to work, um, back in September, well, no, it's August, and I, I say I chose the finance industry. I'll, you know, as a as an industry, it is it's very very different. Um, and I think because of where we were with the family and stuff, you know, I needed that sort of slightly higher salary bracket, shall we say? And I was looking for a you know a step up from my previous role, but I was worried that I wouldn't have on paper all the skills and the experience from the finance world you know and I thought oh, gosh you know they're gonna look at my CV and go no you know she's only ever worked in fashion she's you know that's not that's not applicable but actually you know I, I got the role pretty quickly if I'm honest um and I remember quite vividly having an interview with one of my bosses on zoom and he kind of he admitted that he'd sort of scanned my CV but actually just wanted you know he could see that it was enough he could see that the level was there and experience was there but he wasn't really interested in the detail and it was much more about my personality and my character and what I could offer um as an individual person rather than my on paper skills so I would say to anyone just don't even worry about whatever background you've got in terms of the industry all the skills are transferable definitely Mm. Yeah, it's so true. And like you said, once you get into the interview process, a lot of it is down to whether or not you're a match with the executive that you're going to be working yeah. with. And yeah. they've got to see that synergy because the relationship is is um, so close. You yeah, spend so much time with that person. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Um, so I know I'd want to move on to uh, what your day looks like in your current role, but I have to ask because I know everybody will be asking. But when you did work at Elle magazine, how similar was it 
to the Devil Wears Prada. We'll just get that question over with now. Oh my goodness, the amount of people that have asked me this. I can imagine. Um, oh gosh, I really hate to say it, but it was quite <laughs> And do you know what? It's That's so the right answer. <laughs> so many people don't realise that that film is actually genuinely based on fact. Like it's not made up. It's actually taken, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to obviously badmouth anyone or anything, but um, it is taken from, you know, a real life scenario. And it, it is admittedly a different country and a different culture. And that is a big, big difference. Like, obviously, in the UK, you know, fashion and editorial is not the same as is in the US. Um, and, you know, I think any... Anyone that's ever worked in the fashion industry would agree that the personalities are just so different. There's a lot of very, very big personalities. And, you know, people are in that industry for the passion. They're in it for the love. And that comes with a certain amount of, um, what's, what word am I, what, you know, I mean, yeah, passion is is probably the word and passion can be construed in a positive way or in a negative way. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's an industry full of a lot of passionate people and that comes with its challenges. But um, I mean, goodness me, I did not have to, you know, find Harry Potter books at three in the morning <laughs> that weren't in existence. But there were definitely some things that I was asked to do that I just thought, I mean, are you joking? <laughs> it was it was just a different it was a different kind of environment there was a yeah a lot of a lot of big personalities I think is the mm. nicest way of putting it I think the one thing that comes through in the film that I would imagine is so true to life for a lot of assistants but particularly for people who work in fast-paced environments is the pressure that comes with working in an environment where there are very strict deadlines. Yeah. There's, you know, seasons, things happen across the year that have to be met. Um, yeah. I would imagine that the working in under pressure and working to tight deadlines is a skill that you've acquired. Yeah, I mean, that is a huge, huge part of the fashion world. It is so fast moving. I mean, compared to where I am now, it's and actually funny compared to the, the retail side of fashion as well, it's editorial is it's like you said, it's, there's a deadline. There's a deadline that cannot move and it cannot be missed. You know, where I'm at now, there's a lot of moving deadlines, which is a lot easier to manage. Um, but no, ed the editorial world is so, so fast paced. And, and like you said, you know, people are working on things in the middle of summer that are actually relevant to the middle of winter. And it's, so it's a very, it's a very strange environment to work in, but it's also hugely fun. I mean, I definitely, I do have my hilarious stories from that time. Absolutely. Um, but I also have the best, the absolute best memories of probably my whole career, if I'm honest. And, and I do, I say this to a lot of people actually, but if I hadn't been in a position at L where I'd had to move, I wouldn't have, and I may well, you know, still have been there many, many years later. So mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great world to work in, but I just think if that is of interest and it is a passion, just go for it. It doesn't, you know, don't worry about not having that experience on your CV. Cause I would say that most senior, senior level people in that world they're looking for the skills they're looking for the um the ability rather than the, the the love or the passion or the passion experience absolutely well let's bring it back to today and the role that you're in now I know this is a tough question for assistants because yeah. no two days are ever the same but if you could give us a understanding of of what your day looks like yeah, sure. So I, I have two different kinds of days because I, like I think a lot of people now, I work partly at home and partly in London. So I do two days a week in London and then I do three days a week from home. Um, and 
obviously between the hours of nine and five, that day is relatively the same, but you know, it does vary depending on whether I'm at home. And I do, I do sort of manage my time differently as well in terms of what I actually do, which is quite different to obviously how we've all worked in the past where we've all just been in the office. So, um, the days that I'm at home, um, I do the school run. So I do my drop off and I do my pickup. Um, and then, you know, once I sit down at my desk at nine o'clock, I kind of work through a similar schedule to when I'm in the office. So I'll, spend probably the first hour of the day catching up on emails. Um, and a lot of that is because I, I've actually managed my time so that I leave at 4.30 on the days that I'm in London because I want to get back for the kids. So then when I log on at nine the next day, I have got quite a quite a backlog to get through. Um, so that's, that's the first part of my day. Um, and then I'll check in with my bosses. And as I said, I've got four different bosses. So um, I usually have meetings scheduled with them or even just like a quick five minute, you know, Zoom catch up or, a, you know, just to check in to see if there's anything immediate that's come in since I last saw them. Um, and again, that's different. If I'm in the office, I'll just pop into their office. Two minutes is much, it is quicker. Um, but obviously, if I'm at home, you know, we'll have a scheduled meeting. And then I typically will go through the diaries for the deck for today and the day ahead in case anything's changed. And I always, always like to look a day ahead. I'm sure every assistant will agree that that is one of the key things of you have to just stay one step ahead so I'll check you know any external people coming in any meeting rooms I need to book any restaurant bookings anything that I perhaps have maybe missed or um just checking that I just I I think of it as like just checking the diary looks neat (laughs) so there's no clashes nothing overlapping everything's like in order um and then and then I'll kind of go to my to-do list really so I'll start working through any obviously you know bigger projects bigger tasks that I'm working on um and obviously scattered throughout that you've just got responding to immediate requests I think that's probably the biggest difference of being I, I talked to a lot of my other friends in corporate world actually and since everyone's moved to working from home they a lot of them who are in sort of you know non-assistant roles they manage their day so they will plan meetings and they'll book things around their kids or around you know other commitments from home whereas I think being an assistant you are you have to be reactive you you can't you know I'm I always say to my friends like well you know if my boss calls me I have to pick up like I can't I can't you know book a meeting at a certain time and then I know I'm free at that time you're always you have to always be available to a point so yeah it's that's kind of just throughout the day really um, and yeah, and that's kind of the same. The days I'm in London, I finish at half four so that I can get home. And the days I'm at home, I, I finish at five. And I am quite strict with my time. Um, but that has changed since having kids. I've, before kids, I would I would pretty much stay until the work got done. And then, I'd, you know, I felt much more, I guess, on top of things. Now it's a little bit different. Um, and this will be different for everyone. But I'm, I'm I suppose I'm a little... I suppose my priorities have just changed a little bit. So five o'clock, I log off, you know, assuming I have done what I need to get done, but I don't, yeah, I don't tend to work overtime um, anymore like I used to. How have you found that? Because I know for some assistants that's, you know, that that's how they've always been. They've always had those strict boundaries in place. It's a nine to five role, but mm. it sounds like that's something that's had to be quite different for you. So I wonder if you found yeah. that easy or difficult to make that transition. Uh, it's definitely different. So I, you know, I would never have called myself sort of, I, I wasn't that person that only stayed late for the sake of staying late, but maybe the roles I've had or the industries I'm in have been fairly or busier. I don't know. It's really weird. At the time before I had children, I would just stay until the work got done. You know, I I wasn't, I never clocked off at a certain time. It was just, I would stay in the office. And then when I got, and perhaps, you know, I was working in London, I was a lot younger. I 
maybe be going out after work or something. I don't know. But I definitely had that mentality of, and I would often go in early as well. Um, so I would, you know, I'd be in the office sometimes at sort of half seven, eight o'clock. Um, and now, I mean, I just, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't even consider that. It's so interesting how it's changed. But I definitely, I suppose back then, my job was a big priority. It was it was up there. And I was still climbing the ladder. You know, I was still trying to progress my career and, and trying to impress everybody and, and do the absolute best that I do. And even though I still want to do that, it would never come at the expense of, um, you know, my children, for example. Is the role that you've picked now, was it a conscious choice? Was it when you were when you were going for the role, did you think I need or looking for a new role? I need something where those boundaries aren't going to be tested. No, I don't think I did. I think I just knew in my head that that would be the case. And I Mm -hmm. guess I just, I mean, they knew I had children. They all had, I think as well, looking back, the people I worked for often didn't have children. Um, And so that was a big difference. And, you know, it's a much younger environment, much, much younger. Um, The the fashion world typically is anyway. Um, And a lot of, you know, I don't want to be too, obviously, generalistic but a lot of women in the fashion world didn't have children um and this you know this is going back quite a while now so it it could be very very different now but so it was it was just a different environment whereas now when I when I started this job they absolutely knew I had children the world is a completely different place there's so there's so many differences Mm -hmm. because of obviously COVID and so everyone's working from home anyway so people had become more flexible I think a lot of people had changed their schedules Mm. around their kids a lot of dads probably as well had and so you know I've got four male bosses and they absolutely on the days they work from home they do the school run you know so that that's different to how it was two years ago so it's quite hard to say whether it's the industry or the time or my job or you know it's it's a mixture of all three Yeah, yeah it really it really really is but I definitely knew in my in my own head that if it had become a problem and if there was any resistance then that would I would have to look for something else yeah it's really interesting because um it's exactly as you said I think everybody's priorities boundaries have changed over the last two years Mm. and it's interesting that the pressure that you maybe would have had entering the workforce pre-pandemic with two small children seems to have gone in a lot of ways which is really encouraging yeah oh no a hundred percent I mean I did consider going back to work when I first had, you know, when I had my eldest and I took my year's maternity and we were at that point where we were making the decision and I did put the question forward of, can I work flexibly? Can I work part-time? It was just a big no. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. a big fat no. That was six years ago. So, or no, five years ago, sorry. Um, so obviously that is completely different now anyway. You know, that wouldn't even, no one would stand for that nowadays. No, it's true. It's, it's, it's a short period of time where a lot mm. has changed, but yeah. thank goodness it has and it continues to. What do you do for um, a break over the day? I, I guess lunchtime kind of isn't a really a huge thing anymore, is it, when, when so many people are working from home? But do you manage to schedule breaks throughout the day so that you can get away from the screen and things? Do you know, I actually don't. And I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do or not, because I have a lot of someone said to me the other day, actually, they have a really good system where um, and this is a friend of mine who's a virtual assistant. So she's got her own business. And so she does manage her own time a bit more, but she'll do 50, 10. So she'll work 50 minutes, take 10 minutes away from the screen, work for 50 minutes, take 10 minutes away from the screen. And I think that's great. I think that's a really, really good strategy to have. Um, for me, I, I'm more of a kind of like sit down, just plow on through and get as much done as possible. I suppose where I know I don't want to work beyond the time that I 
know I'm, you know, I'm due to. And I do take an hour to do the school run in the afternoon. That's that's my lunch break. So the days I'm at home, I will sit and eat lunch at my desk in front of my computer whilst working. And then at 2.30, I take my break till 3.30. And that's when I go and pick the kids up from school. I bring them home. I make them some dinner. And that's that's my lunch break. Um, but obviously, that's the choice that I've made. Um, the days that I'm in London, I, again, because I've you know, this might not be applicable to a lot of people listening, obviously, but because I've negotiated to leave 4.30, I actually don't take a lunch break. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the choice I made, you know, so that I could obviously get back a bit earlier. But I do go out. I absolutely, you know, and it's, it's I did make that choice to not take my lunch into work with me because I thought, oh, I could save some time, make my lunch before and take it in. But actually, you have to get some fresh air. Even at the very least, you have to get outside at least once in your day, especially when you're working in London, because it is such a... I don't, I love London, so I don't mean this in a negative way, but it is an oppressive atmosphere. It's very, it can be very draining and very tiring. So I do think you, you need to get some fresh air. And it's so interesting because I always, always offer to get my bosses their lunch, you know, ev- you know, without fail, I'll be like, what? And none of them ever want me to. They want to go out and get their lunch because they want the fresh air. So I, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to go back to the office. I'll get their lunches. I'll get their coffees and all of that. They want to go out because they want that that fresh air as well so mm-hmm. yeah I literally just nip next door it's a lovely amazing salad place that's one of the things I love about London it's like the food having been you know out here in Surrey for six years I love going back into London for the restaurants um so yeah I'll just nip out and get a salad that's good it's it's great to hear your executives are doing that as well it just it, it sounds so different post-pandemic that people want to go out of the office yeah. get fresh yeah. air that's great really good good to hear so we don't want to be too negative but the assistant role can be challenging and I wondered what is the most challenging aspect of your role um so this was quite an easy one actually when I was thinking about you know the challenges of the role and I think so this is the most number of people that I've ever worked for. So I have always, funny enough, I've always worked for at least two executives, but never more. So yeah, it's always, it's always been two, basically. Um, and now I work for four. And I think the biggest challenge is they obviously do all have different levels of uh, seniority. So on paper, I might say, well, obviously the CEO, he is my priority. He is the most senior. Um, and then there's, you know, sort of the next level of management down. And there's two guys that are at that same level. And then there's one guy who's one level down from that. So that in theory should be my priority, but it's not because obviously the priority is actually against the tasks, not the person that's giving you. So I might have a request from my CEO that's not that urgent, but I might have a request from somebody that's, you know, a little bit lower down and, and that's actually more urgent. So what I find most challenging is when it all comes at once and I have to kind of sort in my brain, okay, which is actually, and I think there's a really fascinating um, uh, subject on the difference between urgent and important. I think it's really, it's a really good skill for assistants to, to learn and to master is to understand the difference between what is urgent and what's important and also what someone else's perception of urgent and important is versus the real you know, the reality of the situation. Um, so yeah, it's that slightly, you get that moment of overwhelm, which I think we all as assistants, I'm sure everybody has those moments where they're like, oh God, I've got so many things to do. There's literally like a million things to do. And you're, you're, you're just sorting and you're going, okay, right. Which is urgent, which, you know, which can wait a bit more and just getting them into the right order. So that's, that's definitely the biggest challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. So how have you gone about doing that? Is there any particular practices that you put in place um, where you are making those decisions? Is it based on 
who kind of comes to you saying this is urgent? Is it based on your understanding of the business? How do you make that work? Ultimately, yes. Having a knowledge and understanding of the business definitely helps. Um, However, I still, I wouldn't necessarily make my own judgment call on it um, because I obviously don't have as great a deeper understanding as my bosses do. So I think my biggest tip is to not be too reactive so it's quite easy, you know, when the CEO comes in and says, I want X, Y, Z doing, it's quite easy to go, right, that's what I need to do now because he's the big boss and I need to get his stuff done first. So actually what I have learned to do is to kind of take a bit of a step back. And, and I think this is what I've noticed working from home really helps with because when you're in the office and you're you're in person with people, it's a lot harder to actually go, you know, in your head, okay, I'm not going to do that right now because I know that's not the most important task on my to-do list or that's not the most urgent task on my to-do list. Whereas when someone's standing there and they're expecting you to do it right then and there and they don't know what the other three people have asked you to do, it's quite hard to be like, oh, I'm just going to actually do this, you know. But again, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of things that come into play and there's confidence and there's knowing your, you know, knowing your boundaries and all of that. But I think for me, it's definitely about, just stopping, taking a step back, you know, obviously whether you have your to-do lists or however you have things written down and actually just looking at each individual task and going, is this urgent or is this just important? You know, and you have a, you have a, a scale of, I have like a scale. I have like urgent is obviously needs to be done right now. Important is it's an important thing to do, but it might be able to wait a week. You know, it, it doesn't mean it's, it has to be done now just because it's important. And then you've got the person that's asking you. And actually that's quite often the last the last level, the lowest level, because that's not really the difference between whether something has to be done now or whether it has to be done in a week. It doesn't really matter who's asking. It's more about the task itself. Absolutely. And as you said, uh, urgent to somebody else isn't always necessarily important to you or as in, as urgent to you. It might be important, yeah. but it does it have to be done right now? And you make such a good point. It's really hard in an office when someone who stood over you asking you to do something and for you to say, I'll do it in my time because yeah. all of this is happening that you don't know about. And as you said, that's a confidence thing. But, yeah, oh, my goodness, definitely. it's so much easier to do that when working from home, isn't yeah. it? Because you just yeah. make that choice. No yeah, one's exactly. looming over you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a difference that makes. Yeah, no, it definitely does make a difference. And I think as well, the other thing about working from home versus working in the office is that, you know, when you if you have got multiple bosses like multiple people that you report into again when you're in the office on the flip side it's easier to actually say well so and so has asked me to do that because that person's physically there so they can then back you up and validate that whereas when you're at home unless you've got a really strong trust and you know you've been perhaps some of a while it's quite hard to then say to someone online well actually so and so has asked me to do this without it almost sounding like it's an excuse that you're not doing something so it's it's interesting there's two there's definitely two sides to it and there's pro, there's pros and cons of that being in the office versus being in in, in at home aspect mm-hmm. well working for multiple executives is challenging absolutely <laughs> it doesn't really matter where you are or where you're sitting it is a challenge and when it's four and there's a hierarchy in place. I, I've been there. And I know that, that there's a lot of communication required to, yeah. to make it work. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. So on the flip side, what's the most enjoyable part of your role? I would say, honestly, just the satisfaction of making somebody else's life easier. 
I think that has gone for me. That is that is the reason that I started on this path because I remember that feeling way, 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 way back. You know, going back twenty years to when I was on a reception desk, and I just and I'd never, you know, I'd never really been in a role where I'd been helping somebody else achieve anything, or you know, and I think that that. I don't know whether it's a, a self-validation or whether it genuinely comes from, you know, that feeling of pride and joy at making somebody else's life better. But that knowing that you're making someone else's life easier, knowing that you're helping them do their job better, knowing that you are um, adding value to someone else's life slash role, that for me is is the reason that I, I do what I do. And I went back into this industry after taking the time out. Like I just love helping other people and, and making their lives easier or better and that's yeah that just makes it all worth it for me oh that's such a lovely answer it's so true I don't think any of us would work as an assistant if that wasn't such a kind of um key kind of competency but also really what motivates you as a person yeah I think definitely. I think there's a lot of people that don't have that but I think every assistant I met I've met enjoys helping people and feeling like they're valued yeah um, and that they're adding value so I think a lot of assistants will be nodding along to that answer thank yeah. you and I think that's why it's nice when you do have multiple bosses because you don't always get I've, I you know I can definitely say I've not had that from every single individual boss I've worked for but I've definitely had it from at least one of the two <laughs> so that's I've always found that a real plus of having more than one boss because you're not always going to get let's be completely honest now you're not always going to get brilliant bosses I've been very lucky I've had some incredible bosses and I've had some lots of incredible bosses, but I've never had a role where both have been just really, really hard work. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not what you want. That makes it, no. the, the challenge is so much more challenging for sure. Yeah. So your career has spanned such um, a wide range of roles and a number of years. I wonder what your career highlights been. So I would say, you know, it always stands out. And I think this comes from... Um, you know, my, my deeper kind of passion for sort of like the world that I used to work in the fashion industry and everything. But I remember I'm quite, I love working on projects, you know, and I think most assistants would say that the day-to-day admin side of the role, you know, once you've been established in the system for quite a while, that's quite easy to kind of just churn out and you get quite almost robotic at it. And that's why I think we do start to look for projects and we take on other things outside of our immediate role. Um, so for me, definitely working on the L style awards which was a huge fashion event um within the industry um and then alongside that working on london fashion week like that and i kind of carried that on when i was at burberry as well because obviously from the flip side it was all still uh, related to london fashion week those those are absolutely my highlights like i just loved getting involved with anything that was uh, a wider and, and to some extent even now and you know i'm working on a couple of off-sites um which are not quite on the same level as the Al Style Awards, but they're still, you know, fun, exciting events and we've got to organise activities. And so I, I definitely love that side of being an assistant. I love the the event side. Um, I did a bit of event management as well as part of one of my roles. Um, and we, yeah, I just, I think that is a really fun, fun part of being an assistant. And if you can find a company where they do things like that and they allow you to get involved, like that's that's brilliant because those those memories are really, really special for me, definitely. I'm sure most industries have their big awards, you know, 
it doesn't matter if it's the food and drink industry or whatever, they will have some big events and some big awards. And if you're if you're part of that, like they are really exciting. Mm. And they've raised your profile as well. Did you yeah. find that within your organization? Definitely. Everyone suddenly yeah. knows who you are. Yeah. And everyone's coming to you for help and for, you know, and, and you, you get to know so many other people that you wouldn't necessarily interact with in your, in your day-to-day job. Um, so yeah, that's a, a huge benefit of it. What's one piece of advice you would give to assistants who maybe let, let's start with looking to work in the, um, fashion or, or, um, publication industry. Is there any advice you would offer to assistants maybe starting out in that area? Well, funnily enough with, home publishing is completely different to how it was when I was there and unfortunately I think it's not really an industry that's thriving so it's Mm -hmm. all going digital so I think just be prepared you know if you I I it makes me really sad because I love a good magazine I love Mm -hmm. nothing more than reading an actual physical magazine but it's not going to be around in the next 10 years like it's 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 going it's all going to be online so definitely get involved in digital like be savvy and, and aware that fashion itself is all moving digital. Even things like, I remember the, you know, London Fashion Week, they started live streaming it um, about half through the time that I was doing there. And that was like completely revelationary. Um, and it just, you know, for a lot of people, it meant they weren't traveling as much to get there. And so again, like gradually that will just, you know, there's going to come a time where everything can just be filmed in a studio and live streamed and people won't be sat at the end of runways, like, you know, having to put together crazy schedules and, so yeah, definitely just become, I think this applies to every industry, but apply, become much more digital savvy. Um, but also I would say just get in touch with the people that are in that world. So, you know, I think I, I think the reason I landed my first job in InStyle was because actually when I was at school, I think I sent my CV off to every magazine that was in existence back then, every fashion magazine to apply for work experience. And when I was working in retail and InStyle called me up they'd found my cv under a pile of other cvs because they were looking for a fashion intern and i i didn't want to do that then because it was unpaid and i was actually looking for a job job and that's how the receptionist job came up um so definitely the fashion world is all about contacts it's all about who you know so you know trawl through the mastheads of magazines and just just get in touch with people and say you know I'm really interested in working in this industry if anything comes up could you let me know and just do that on repeat to as many people as possible and obviously now we've got LinkedIn LinkedIn is an amazing platform um, for connecting with people you know find that world that you're interested in find the people in that world and just and you know obviously anyone's welcome to reach out to me I've still got lots of contacts in the fashion world and find other PAs that work in the fashion world and just say let you know if anything comes up in your company I think it's about just being brave so what do you think you would have done if you weren't an assistant hmm, that's a really interesting question because so I don't I haven't really thought I hadn't really thought about it a lot um I suppose because I that's you know what I had done pretty much straight from from university um but there have been times when I've considered other um, other career paths. I suppose when I was on that six-year break and I wasn't working, and I didn't know that I was necessarily going to go back to being an assistant. I, I played with other ideas and stuff, and I was running this other business alongside. And everything I landed on had a similar a similar sort of background to it, I suppose. And the, the things that I've thought about have been things like becoming a life coach or becoming a nutritionist um, or becoming a, you know, um like a holistic therapist or something like that I I I love that whole world of well-being like health well-being looking after other people's mental health there um you know I think some of that's slightly come out of I had a quite a long health journey to have my children and then when I had my children I then had a bit of a 
a mental health journey, um, which again, some moms might be able to relate to, but I suffered with postpartum anxiety. Um, and so that led me to kind of really want to understand how that happens. And I developed so many skills and techniques from you know, dealing with that and managing that, that I still use to this day. And so, yeah, that, that whole world of people's well-being has always fascinated me. Um, and I suppose the psychology is part of that as well. So something, something like that. So, but again, it is, it's about helping people. So I guess that's, that's another thread that kind of comes through from the assistant side. But yeah, I think when I move away from the corporate world itself, that's definitely a path that I'll explore a bit more. It's very interesting. There were a lot of assistants that I've met over the years that have moved into wellness and well-being mm-hmm. and coaching, because I, th- I think it's, as I said earlier, it's those drivers that so many assistants have that um you know wanting to wanting to help I think uh, I think that <laughs> I think that's a common theme that a lot of yeah. assistants will have yeah um, yeah so uh, as I said you know you've done so much in your career is there any one thing that you that the career has given you that you're grateful for Oh my goodness, so many things. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely a lot of things. And interestingly, a lot of a lot of the skills that I learned as an assistant just along the way sort of transferred across to my other business that I have. And then equally the skills I've learned building that business have now served me massively in this in this new role as well. So I think the biggest thing has been working on yourself. So not looking at your job just as a job, but actually looking at it as an opportunity to grow your own personal, um, your your personal skills. Because I think as an assistant, a lot of what we do is is a life skill. So I know my husband would agree, but he loves the fact that I'm the organizer of the family. You know, I literally know how to get things done. Um, and I've learned that, again, through both sort of aspects of my life and partly of being a parent as well. I think you learn a lot there. Um, so yeah, definitely learning how to be more productive, learning how to not procrastinate. I mean, I think you only learn, you only recognize these things when you talk to people that, you know, aren't assistants or have other roles in life. And then you're like, oh gosh, is that, do you not do that? And they're like, no. And you're like, oh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> and it is those things. It's, it's the, yeah, being productive, getting things done, not procrastinating, working with a sense of urgency. And also I think a big thing that you learn as an assistant is that whole ability to adapt to other people's personalities, which is a massive life skill. I mean, you know, I've read so many books now about how to respond, how to react, how to help, how to lead, how to inspire different different personalities. And again, that comes from well, I suppose maybe not so much if you've only ever worked for one individual, but where I've always had more than one boss, I've had to learn really quickly how to flip the way I speak, the way I behave, the way I work, the way I help them, depending on their individual needs and their individual personality. And that's a that's a huge life skill, definitely. It's so true. You've that's I mean, yes, absolutely. Because as an assistant, you work across the entire organization. So you're working with people that have, you know, for, for me anyway, people from a huge amount of privilege, you know, public school backgrounds, you know, you know, top top university educated, you know, people that in my personal life, I would never have have met. And then going down through the different levels of the organisation to different areas, 
that you, you just have to change and adapt how you get the get what you want out of them, how yeah. you influence them. It's yeah. um the skills that you pick up as an assistant absolutely around those interpersonal yeah. skills and dealing with different types of people from different walks of life. Yeah, uh, you know, is is an is something that carries you through your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then the confidence part mm. as well is a huge thing because you do, I think, have to develop confidence um, and self-worth. You really have to work on your self-worth as an assistant um, to different degrees, depending on obviously the kind of people you work for and the organisation you work within. But that's, yeah, that is something I'm massively grateful for having to learn because that definitely serves you in, in your life anyway. Yeah. And being, being able to have a checklist and remember everything when you've got two small children yeah. is an absolute godsend. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that is a that is a life skill above everything else. Yes. Comes in very handy having a list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got a little bit of time left and I wondered if you um, could let us know if there's anything that you wish you had known um, about the assistant role before you started? I don't think a lot of people really think about um, most of the roles they go into. I think most people, you know, you kind of fumble around out of uni or if you haven't been to uni, you kind of leave school and no one really knows exactly what they want to do and no one really knows where they're going to be in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years' time. But the one thing that really, I think, stands out for me now versus before I kind of embarked on this is the whole, this whole piece around, you know, working, not necessarily from home, but working as an assistant flexibly. Because I think I remember looking at lots of assistant roles and some of them involved a lot of travel. And I always saw myself, well, I always saw an assistant role as something where you have to be in an office, you know, and you're, you're sat outside your boss's office. And, you know, maybe part of this came from Devil West Prada as well. But, um, you know, a lot of assistants now will travel with their bosses and a lot of bosses will travel a lot without their assistants. So whereas I think the first part of my career was very much based around this idea that you had to sit next to your boss or outside his office and be very present and there with him now for a lot of different reasons, that's just not the case. And I, I talk about this a lot of the time with, with the other assistants within my own company that I work for now. And we all say that funnily enough, we are far more productive on the days mm-hmm. we work from home, like far more productive. We get a lot more done. So I think had I known that when I was first going into an assistant role, I might've looked for roles that were perhaps, you know, had a bit more travel really. Cause I remember being quite dismissive and going, well, no, I can't, you can't do that. You can't, you know, I can't do that. Um, maybe just being a bit more flexible and, and looking at roles that perhaps involve travel or or even I think, you know, the idea of being a private PA sort of semi-appealed to me, but then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the idea that perhaps I didn't feel like I could be as effective if I wasn't with that person all the time. And obviously with a private PA, you know, they're all off all over the world a lot of the time. And yes, sometimes you might be with them, but sometimes you're not. So I think it's, yeah, it's the fact that as long as you have that method of contact and obviously nowadays it's a phone um with your executive with your boss whoever that is you can pretty much do your role from wherever you are wherever you are wherever they are the role of assistant doesn't have to be that kind of antiquated you know in an office at a desk they're there you're there that one-to-one contact yes there are definitely times when that's a bit easier and that has an advantage but I think actually yeah you can do it from wherever in and, and it's the flexibility of the time and the hours as well like I know people that work in the evenings rather than in the day and so I think you, yeah you can be as, as you can be a, an effective assistant just as well 
working flexibly from home, not from home, traveling on holiday, wherever you want to be, you can do your job. Um, and that's something that I think I, yeah, I wish I'd been a bit more open-minded to when I was looking, looking into the industry. When we were first starting out as assistants, there wasn't though that option. It was sitting in front of a screen, uh, sorry, sitting in front of an office and being ever present mm. for your executive. I remember for me once my, um, team were all moved into a different floor but I was moved into a different floor with my executive and the thought that she that I wouldn't be outside her office despite the fact I was removed from the rest mm. of the team was just wasn't considered it was yeah. outside my office but now those conversations those conversations would be so different because of how much technology has evolved just over the last two years yeah so I think I think yeah I think assistants that are coming into the industry now it's much more flexible. There's much yeah. more room for conversations around how you work. Mm. Um, and as we said right at the beginning of the conversation, the boundaries that you put in place. I so appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. It's been um, a real treat having you and hearing about your career and um, all of the exciting things you've done. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Well, it's been lovely to chat with you as well. Thank you so much for listening to the EA Campus podcast. We would love for you to take a minute to subscribe to the EA Campus podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you could give us a review, we would so appreciate that as well. If you want to check out the show notes, you can do that by going over to the eacampus.com forward slash podcast forward slash EP2 Susie Ellens and take a look at everything we discussed. You can also find all the links to the resources, articles and tech that we mentioned during the show. If you want to join the conversation inside the EA Campus community, you will also find all of the information on the EA Campus website. The community continues to grow and we have an amazing group of assistants sharing their careers. We have ongoing events and training for our members and we would love, 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 love to see more ambitious and career-driven assistants join the EA Campus. Thanks so much for your time and I hope you tune in again to the next episode of the EA Campus podcast.